0: Good morning, my name is Dean Annan, and I'm the discipleship pastor here at Village Church of Bartlett and yes, we are ending this five-week series on worship music. I've loved every single week and I hope you have too. I know many of you have commented about it and absolutely loved it. If you've missed a week, then you can go to vcob.org and check out the week that you missed. And so over these last four weeks at least, what we've done is this. Week one, we sang with joy. We sang with joy and we sang with emotions based on Psalm 100 where it says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. In week two, we were rooted in the scripture to sing truth. That was Colossians 3.16 where it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Hope you remember that. We were focusing on scriptural truth and that was the contents of what we sing, the truth. Week three, we stayed in Colossians 3.16 And we were told to sing in that verse. The Apostle Paul says we're to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And then we looked at other parts of Scripture that talks about new songs and what that meant. And that was the packaging. And God is pleased with different kinds of packaging when we sing his truth. And so week four was singing with thanksgiving and gratitude. That was last week. Colossians 3, 16 and verse 17, also with thankfulness in our hearts to God. That's what we were told because singing with a heart of thankfulness and gratitude towards God is healing and it kills the disease of entitlement. And we sing to God. Last week we heard this. We sing to God even when you don't feel like it because it has the power to heal and transform you. So week five, here we are today. The title today is Sing to Your Soul. And some of you are like, Martha Grab the kids, we're leaving, I knew it, he lost it. <laughs> well, you, Or you might be thinking, well, I thought we're supposed to just sing to God and, you know, just glorify him. Of course, it's an audience of one, we glorify him. But did you know that scripture is really clear? There are times when we sing to our soul, and we're going to unpack that. And if I were to write a letter to myself, I might say this, dear soul. When I tell you to sing, sing. Sing to remember God's personal mercies and sing with faith through the struggles and have hope. What I'm not going to do today is spend time talking about, you know, positive self-talk, though some of that can be good. You know, like the avocado who stood looking at the mirror and said, "You're fat, but you're good fat." What I'm not going to do also is overemphasize self. I don't want to overemphasize self, but you know, personal needs, self esteem, self actualization, personal autonomy, all of that, because eventually that leads to a road you don't want to go on. That's narcissism. You know, Frank, we don't make good gods. We don't want to be focusing on ourselves. Sometimes I find myself there, I'll be sitting at a table with some people, and I'm like, my opinions always come out first, or I'm louder than people, or I think I know what's going on, and other people, I wonder why they're not talking. Duh, because <laughs> it's all about me. And that's not what we're designed to be or the way we're to be at all. Self can never satisfy self ever. Self doesn't make a good God. Our hearts are filled with sin. So instead, if we want true satisfaction or true freedom, scripture says we're to die to self, put Jesus first, and worship him. So for that reason, we sing to our souls. Our 10,000-foot level big idea today is this. Simply be faithful Sing to your soul and turn to God. And we're going to look at two Psalms. Psalm 103 is a praise Psalm, and some months ago preached about that. And a few weeks ago, I know Pastor Michael talked about Psalm 103. We're going to use it a little differently today. Look at Psalm 103, a praise Psalm. Then we're going to look at Psalm 42, a lament psalm. Those are the two things we're going to do. So we're going to sing to your soul and remember and reorient ourselves to God. That's Psalm 103. And then Psalm 42. We're going to sing to your soul and express faith through the struggle and pain. And again, I'm going to say this a lot. We're going to reorient ourselves, reorient our souls back to God, back to the reality of God, his reality, not our emotions, but back to reality. And then God is worshiped and God's glorified. So Psalm 103, let's start there. Now King David is writing here and he's he's telling all that is within him, he says, meaning his soul, his inmost being, all his desires, his wills, who the real David is. He's saying to bless the soul. Some translations say praise the soul, but that just simply means speak words of excellence about God. Let me read verse 1. Verse 1 says this in Psalm 103. Bless the Lord. Here he is. He's instructing his soul. O oh, my soul, and all that is within me, that's his soul, bless his holy name. You know, in Christianity, for well over 500 years, we have some really good recording of, of soul talk, some Christian self-talk. I'm talking about the good stuff now. Based on Psalm 103, in the 1500s, there was a man who was trying to take down Martin Luther, Eventually this man came to faith and then he wrote these song lyrics. He said this, he's talking to his soul here in this song. My soul, he says, now praise your master, let all within me bless his name. Then in the 1600s, there's this famous hymn and it's titled this, Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of what? Creation. Some of you may be saying this in the past, if you grew up with the hymns. But the second line says this, again based on Psalm 103. It says, oh my soul, here's that soul talk again. Praise him, for he is your health and salvation. Moving to the 1700s, famous Sir Isaac Watts, he wrote this hymn, the title is, Oh, bless the Lord, my soul. In the 1800s, James Montgomery wrote another hymn, it's the same title, Oh, bless the Lord, my soul. But here's a couple of uh, verses for you. Here's what he says, again, based on Psalm 103. Oh, bless the Lord, my soul, his grace to thee proclaim, and all that is within me join to bless his holy name. Here he goes again. Oh, bless the Lord, my soul. His mercies bear in mind. This is good. Forget not all his benefits. And we're going to sit on there in a little bit. The Lord to thee is kind. You know, we stand on top of our mothers of the faith and our fathers of the faith and what they have done, they knew, were to sing to our souls so that we can reorient and give God glory and give him due and sing to him. They knew that for so many years, and a lot of songs are based on Psalm 103. And, and then in 2012, right? Matt Redman, some of you who love worship music, contemporary worship music, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Matt Redman, he was inspired to write these words, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like never before, O oh my soul, I'll worship your holy name. And we're going to sing that in a little bit. Redmond said said, uh, this about this song. He says, For him, it reiterates how we live beneath, I love this, an unceasing flow of goodness and kindness and greatness and holiness. And at every turn, there's just more and more and more reasons why the Lord is so completely and utterly worth the highest devotion and praise. And so we tell our soul to sing. Sing to the Lord. So staying within Psalm 103 now, I just want to look at a couple things related to Psalm 103. And and why do we sing to our soul? First, because we're forgetful people. And then second, we're going to see he alone is worthy. So we sing to our soul because we're forgetful and he is worthy. Verse two says this, bless the Lord, here it is again, O my soul. And then he says, and forget not all his benefits. David knew. We have hearts that forget And so this psalm 103 is 22 verses, and seven times in that soul, David says to a soul this: He says, "Bless the Lord," or he says something like, "Bless his holy name." You know, stress and anxiety in our lives, that's one of the major contributors towards forgetfulness, and there's many other reasons. I get that a lot of reasons, sometimes we're just so packed with things in our day that we just forget. Forgetfulness has many causes, and it causes many problems. Maybe you've been there before, your heart has sank because you forgot an important meeting, you forgot to call somebody, you forgot to send that birthday card, whatever it is, and you have this little mini pa- panic attack. I had one of those. I was, I was supposed to meet a good friend of mine, an older mentor of mine, that has just poured into my life, and I stood him up. <laughs> it's awful. I felt so bad. I don't know if you ever felt like that before. I stood him. I didn't mean to. Uh, of course, he forgave me. Have you ever been there where you missed a dentist appointment? Or maybe uh, you forgot to pick somebody else's kid up after practice (laughs) or something? Or maybe you missed a recital? No, I'm not saying me. I'm saying you. God knows, right? God knows we're forgetful. And forgetting God is so much worse. So God uses music. He uses music in our life to remind us so we don't forget. And he sears messages of truth into our brains. I love it. You know, in the Old Testament, God instructed the Israelites to build these memorials and gave them seven Jewish festivals. And certainly, certainly, it's about, though not solely about, God loves celebration. He absolutely loves celebration. He wants his people to remember specifically his goodness, his covenanting love to them and deliverance. But he also knows that his people forget, like us. In Deuteronomy chapter four, verse nine God is telling Moses to say this to the people. And here's what Moses is saying to the people, the forgetful people. Take care and keep your soul diligently lest you forget. There's that word. The things that your eyes have seen unless they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and to your children's children. And then also in Deuteronomy chapter 8, you know, they haven't gone into the promised land yet, but it's coming. And God knows the greatest danger they're about to face. And it's not one of them ites type people, Canaanites. It's not one of them people they're going to have to battle. Not that group of people. It's not that nation. No, their worst enemy is when they go into the promised land is their abundance, their prosperity, their self-satisfaction. Why? Because it's a temptation for them to move to something that's wrong. And that is forgetfulness, forgetting God That is dangerous. And so let me read Deuteronomy 8, 11 through 14. It says this. Take care, lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good homes and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply, and when your silver and gold is multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, verse 14, then your heart will be lifted up and you'll what? Forget. Forget the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. David knows this. David knows the tendency of his own heart. Even our hearts today, he writes. He writes in verse 2 of Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul. He's instructing, even commanding. And forget not all his benefits because it's our nature forget. Avoid the danger, the darkness, and the destruction that we have, the idolatry, because putting us first on the throne and forgetting God. Today, you know, in our our church area, and even through the New Testament, into the church area, the singing of of, of music and, and worship songs, just like the Old Testament time, is such a reminder that we need to sing to our souls. You think of the memorial stones that Joshua set up, and I mentioned some of the Jewish festivals. They used to have Before, these songs and those things are constant pointers. They're constant pointers to remember, to remember what God has done. And for us, we remember today, through the Lord Jesus Christ, what God has done. His death, his resurrection on the cross for our deliverance. It's beautiful. So we don't forget. And so we sing. It trains us, it forms us, it develops us. And I would say it even disciples us, these songs because it sears those messages into our brains and that seeps into your soul deeply. So be careful what you sing. So Psalm 103, so far, I've been talking about why the first thing was, why do we sing? Because we're forgetful people. And um, the second thing, today, he alone is worthy. So we move from in Psalm 103, that we're forgetful, to he is worthy. That's why we sing our big idea, again, is be faithful. Be faithful. Sing to your soul and turn to God. So why do we need to sing to our soul? God is worthy. Sing to my soul because we're forgetful and God is worthy. Much later, and it'd be nice to have time to go into all of Psalm 103, but we're just going to focus on the first five verses. If you look at all of Psalm 103, you'll see God's mercy, compassion, his faithfulness to a nation that didn't deserve it. If anyone ever says God isn't compassionate, the God of the Old Testament isn't compassionate, they have no idea what they're talking about. Run, take a taxi, Uber, whatever you need to do. Move away. God is good. And David recounts some of the personal mercies. In verses three through five, I want to look at those. There's personal mercies here. Verse three says this. Who forgives, that's God, who forgives all your what? His soul's sins, all your iniquities, and heals all your diseases. For a moment, think about your own sin in your life. That's not fun, is it? Come to church and think about your own sin. <laughs> I was thinking about mine this week. I wouldn't say my week was very fun in some ways. <laughs> think about sin. Now, if you can, if you're able, or even willing, think about a bad one. Think about something that you just would never want to repeat. And what did it do to you? What did it do to those you love? Now, know this. Know this. King David has done some really bad things. The things he did as a king, he deserved instant death. I mean, literal, physical death. He deserved instant death before God, but he repented. Went back to God for forgiveness, and God forgave him, and that's the same forgiveness. Anyone who calls on Jesus by name, Jesus will forgive your sins, all of them. For all eternity, when you turn to him in faith, that same forgiveness, the same forgiving God, Old Testament, New Testament. And David says this then as he reacts. He says, bless the Lord. He says, all that is within me, bless his holy name is what he says. Remember the big outline today, the first thing in Psalm 103 we were looking at, sing to your soul. Remember and reorient to God. That's why we sing to our soul. You know, David would have been an awful person to be around, frankly, if he stayed in his bitterness, if he stayed in his sin, in his depression year after year after year. Instead, he trained his soul. He trained his soul. He wrote and he trained his soul to sing to the Lord. You know, worship music matters. It really does. Verse 4. Verse 4 says this, and he goes on. David goes on. More about the personal mercies of God to him. Verse four says, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now in David's case here, when he's redeemed his life from the pit, God redeemed him from the pit. He's talking about death, actually. He's talking about actually the pit is the grave. Sheol's going to the place of the dead. He was redeemed. He was saved from death. Many times God kept him from death. Many, many times. It's not just that. It's all the forgiveness and love he received from the God. God allowed him to rely on God, not on circumstances, and find satisfaction in him. So David knew personally God's love towards him. And so if we want to worship God, and, and, and we do, don't we? We want to be uh, people who glorify him and praise him. What I want to do is look backwards, verses 5 through 1. As we look back, what happened then is we want to take time to name these personal mercies, like David did, work backwards and train our souls to not forget by telling our soul to sing. So that's what we do as those who love Jesus. Psalm 103 is this psalmist's plea. It's a privilege, it's an obligation, really, to bless the Lord. And next, I want to look at Psalm 42 then. That was the praise psalm, Psalm 103. Let's go to the lament psalm, Psalm 42. That's our second part here. Where we sing to your soul, we do. We all sing to our soul again for the second reason. Express faith through the struggle and pain. And that's our goal, to instruct our soul. So in Psalm 42, it's a lament psalm, like I said, lament itself just simply means it's a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. But a lament psalm is a little different. It's partly that, but it's much, much more. A lament psalm expresses faith in God. Did you hear that? That's the point. A lament psalm expresses faith in God through grief and sorrow. What didn't I say? I didn't say that it, it's, uh, it's not complaining, right? A lament psalm is not complaining, not the way we would think of it. But it's also not just expressing grief and sorrow. It's more than that. We express our faith in God. See, if we stuff it, if we don't bring our pain to God, then you're really trusting in yourself or something else. Maybe it's TV, maybe it's alcohol, whatever it is, but it's something else. So we don't stuff it. In other words, we don't keep it from him. And when we bring it to him, we're showing faith in God. Now, Psalm 42 and 43 should really be taken together because most original manuscripts have 42 and 43 together. And if, if you read Psalm 42 and 43, you'll see that they're really uh, one package. And some scholars think that the, this situation is, is David's situation. And what's happening here is he's being driven out of Jerusalem, his home, what he loves. He's being driven out from worshiping the temple, what he loves, because that's where his God is, and he worships God in the temple. Everything's being stripped from him, and his son Absalom is coming after him to overthrow and to kill him. You're going to see this pain in these first five verses, but Psalm 42 and 43 are also a mass skill, which simply means enlightenment psalm. A lament, yes, but it also means to impart wisdom. So this psalm, and even 43, are for us to be wise, for us to live skillfully before God through pain. Let me just read Psalm 42, the first five verses, and we have it up there. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all day long, Where is your God? That's the enemy's talking. Where is your God? Verse 4, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go to the throng and lead them in procession in the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Verse 5, now he talks to his soul. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. You know, God, more than any of us, knows this fallen world. He knows your pain. He knows your sorrow. He knows all of it. I think maybe that's why there's more lamenting psalms than any other kind of psalms in all of Scripture. God's telling us to get it out. Before I go a little deeper into this psalm, and I do want to pick on a little more of this psalm, but but first, if you're feeling hopeless today, or blue, or down, or depressed, whatever your word for it is, or deeply sad, know this, if no one's ever told you this, know this. That's not a sin. It's not a sin. Those feelings aren't a sin. It's, it's normal. One author says this. These feelings are warning systems. The feelings like that, these gloomy thoughts you have are just warning systems that are moving towards deep water. So then the author goes on to say, that these kind of feelings are a protective device that can remove us from stress and give us time to recover. That's healthy. Did you know then? Did you catch this then? We're not meant to stay there. As Christians, we're not meant to stay there in the gloom or doom by any means. And the longer we stay there in those kinds of feelings and that funk, if you will, if we, sit, we begin to lose perspective. Matter of fact, we can no longer assess reality. We can't even really trust ourselves to make wise decisions. That's why we need wise and trusted friends to talk to, to listen to, for help. And sometimes we need counselors, right? Amen? Really? It's okay. <laughs> well, I know one thing we all need for sure all the time. And we desperately and definitely need the counsel of the word of God so that we can fight for Faith. In God, through the grief, the sorrow, the pain, and the depression, we fight for faith. And I choose those words carefully, fight for faith. Verse 1, um, in, verse, in uh, Psalm 42, you see this longing for God, right? He compares his soul to a deer, and the deer's need for water like his soul's need for God He wants God's nurture, just like the deer pants for water. That's common imagery back then. He says in verse 2, my soul thirsts for God, and he desperately wants to be before God again. What's that alluding to? Probably verse 4, where he really wants to be back in the temple again. That's where he wants to be, but he's not there. It was stolen from him. It was taken from him. In verse 3, he's crying uncontrollably. You have to understand that day, if you're not familiar with it, very emotional people, but very real, very transparent before God. He is crying, and it says, My tears have been my food day and night because everything has been stolen from him, and his own son is after him. But more encouraging here, one author writes this, Lament Psalms, they instruct us. They show us how to let the tears flow. So we have a guidebook. The same author says this, laments almost always move from negative to positive, from plea to praise. I love that. There's a movement, a movement. Uh, the enemies of, of, of David here, I presume it's David here, uh, along with um, what were probably some of his friends at one point say this to David, where's your God? Where is your God? Have you ever been there? Or maybe somebody's questioning you because of a loss in your life or something else people are questioning. Where's your God? A good God wouldn't let that happen. That's not true. But this is the kind of stuff he was facing. I don't have to tell you, I don't have to explain this imagery to you, if you've been through this. You've been at a place maybe where even it's possible, questions have come up in your mind like, will I be alright? What's wrong with me? All of those questions are fine. You can ask those questions. God invites those questions. They're good and they're normal. You know, that's why counselors ask questions like that, right? How and why those are good. Because it's part of the investigation and part of the healing process even. So from spiritual depression to spiritual health, we move. Psalm 42 and 43, if you look at the whole thing, you'll see the psalmist puts in the question, why, ten times. Sounds kind of bold, doesn't it? God can take it. <laughs> His shoulders span the universe. He can take it. Why? Why? But along the way, you see this fight for faith by the psalmist, because along the way, he's appropriately identifying his feelings. He's naming them passionately, dealing with it, and he's fighting. And our big idea, again, is be faithful. Sing to your soul and turn to God. Always. I didn't say that the psalmist was fighting God, right? I didn't even say he was necessarily fighting his emotions, per se, but, but he's fighting to be faithful, And he's fighting with faith, and so he's moving towards healing. Now, after all that, we probably want to look at verse 5 again, because that's a great verse, and I've kind of kept this from us for a while, so let's let's move there and get to verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? He's asking his soul that question, why, again. But honestly, it's a rhetorical question. You can see by looking at the next uh, lines or so and, and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and through the greatest counselor ever, the Holy Spirit, he says this next. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. He writes, he sings, he tells his soul to hope in God. And whenever a scripture repeats itself, we should really pay attention. You've seen that. If you've done some Bible study even once in your life, you'll notice that if something And scripture repeats, pay attention, go back. Why is that there? This verse 5 that we just read shows up again in verse 11, and it shows up in Psalm 43, verse 5, again and again. Why? Because there's healing. There's healing and hope. Hope in God. Without God, there's no hope. But with him, there's salvation, there's deliverance. Always, always, always. I think that's why it's repeated three times in Psalm 42 and 43. I like what Paul David Tripp says, and he's a writer, and in one sense it's kind of funny, in the other sense it's kind of really, really, really profound. He says this, If your hope disappoints you, it's because you have the wrong hope. (laughs) Isn't that true? (laughs) Think about that. He's saying that if you know Paul David Tripp at all, he's a pastor, He's referring to hope in the Lord. Any other hope, any other way, will disappoint you. Now remember our big picture outline today. We had a few things there. In healthy worship, we sing to our soul at times, and there's many examples, of course, but we looked at sing to your soul, Psalm 103, remember and reorient to God, and then as we're looking at Psalm 42 and looked at Psalm 42, we express our faith through the struggle and pain. Let me wrap it up this way. Um, I want to conclude with a quote and then go to three so what's. John Goldingay says this, Christians' lives are a cycle of praise, lament, and thanksgiving as we reorient, there's that reorient word again, reorient ourselves by God's grace out of grief and forward into thanksgiving or confession or testimony. Yeah, I love about that. He's talking about cycles and seasons of life. It comes and goes, it ebbs and flows, it's up, it's down, that's just the way life is. God knows that. So he gives us the Psalms and all of Scripture and Jesus Christ. What I like is the movement that that quote shows, the movement. Christians are never to be stuck and we don't need to be stuck. So what can we do? Well, God is speaking to you, I'm sure, in your heart. In some way, I'll give three simple so what's Number one, in good times, here we go again, (laughs) tell your soul to praise God. Praise him. Why? Because frankly, sometimes we're just apathetic and we're forgetful and God knows that. And so knowing his mercies to you personally matters. Write them down. I keep saying it, it seems, but be faithful. Sing to your soul. And move towards God and turn towards God. Instruct your soul in the good times. Number two, the bad times. We all have them. If you haven't had many yet, you will. Just wait. (laughs) You will. But confidently fight with faith. So in the bad times, confidently fight with faith. What I mean is don't sit on your hands. Call somebody. Talk to somebody. Meet with somebody. Get to a trusted friend. There's always hope. There's always hope when you're down because our God is good. I've been incredibly blessed lately when I've been watching the faith of someone in our congregation, a family who's going through cancer and cancer treatment and, and through their CaringBridge journal entries and their fight for faith. They've been recently, just last week, reflected on Psalm 42. That was our psalm today. And they recounted some of these curveballs and unbelievable frustrations. And there's three emotions that they named. They named frustration, disappointment, and despair. They said this We both began to feel despair that the road ahead is looking very long and that these days of him, the husband, not feeling well are just awful. And yet, they say, they're clinging to faith and hope, just like it says in Psalm 42. And then they said this We cannot give the enemy one inch or allow these emotions to grow or to take root notice they didn't say we don't have these emotions notice they didn't say that they're not willing to name these emotions because they are but because they're warriors for Christ they don't let their emotions take over they don't want to let it in and root and grow and be the number one not at all they're fighting with faith so friends let's fight with faith let's hope in God and cling to our Savior that's number two Number three, come tomorrow night. Please. Some of you can make it. I know you can. Some of you are like, oh, I want a late dinner. Well, maybe No, you don't. You want to come here. <laughs> I'll tell you right now. If you can make it, if you're not worried, come. Even if you have little ones, bring them. I want to hear their joyful noise. I think uh, Michelle said that earlier. I want to hear their joyful noise. Exercise your faith. Tomorrow night, we get a privilege and get the privilege to be together. Your age or your stage of life doesn't matter. Young or old, come. Come. Tomorrow night, we'll reflect, we'll read, we'll pray, we'll sing together because that's what the family of God does. What a great way to end this series, this five week series in worship music. So, I want to invite the band up here. We're going to do another song here in just a moment. And so, let's pray as we get ready to sing again. Lord, we thank you. Because you are our reality. You've defined reality. You've created reality. And God, you know the pain in our hearts. And you know the praises too, the good and the bad, God. And so you give us these songs of old, which speak to us today, that we can name our mercies, the mercies actually from you, God, that you've given us, the love The love that we don't deserve that you've lavished on us. And and also, God, in these times, so many people here today, God, just need your strength. Need your help to fight, God, to continue to put their faith and their trust in you. So, God, would you do that today? Would you give us all we need for your glory and for our good? We thank you, God, as your children, because we love you. And now we just want to glorify you and your holy name.